0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Christ is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Okay, so again, C. That's why I'm going to grade that one. So let's do one more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I love Easter. Yeah, I think Easter is a big deal. Uh, we get candy. We get chocolate eggs or jelly beans or chocolate bunnies, if we're lucky, all in an Easter basket. At least this was sort of the extent of my understanding as a child... Uh, As a child, Christmas was kind of the king of holidays, and then Easter was kind of like Prime Minister or something like that. So a little bit lower, uh, maybe more like Major League Baseball versus Minor League Baseball. You're happy to go to a Minor League game, it's kind of fun, but it's nothing like the Major Leagues. And for me, Christmas was definitely the Major Leagues. I mean, you have a tree in your house. How cool is that when you're a kid? And then not only that, it's a tree that uh, gets all these presents put underneath it with your name on it. It's quite a magical feeling, really. I mean, an apple tree, that just gives you apples. That's boring. But a Christmas tree, there's gifts under there. There's toys. It's quite ridiculous, almost. Now, I I knew that Christmas has a little bit to do with Jesus' birth and things like that. We went to church When I was young, a little bit, Christmas Eve, stuff like that. But for me, it was like Christmas is so awesome. And then Easter. Easter plays second fiddle to Christmas, but I liked Easter too. Uh, Most years, we would go down to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to visit my grandmother. And uh, my grandmother was a very strong Christian, so we would go to church with her. But by that time, that was about the only time I went to church, maybe once a year. And uh, I was happy to do it, though, because my grandmother loved to spoil us children. She loved to give us candy. My parents never really did a whole lot with Easter. Maybe they'd go through the trouble of putting a basket in, into my room or something when I woke up. But my grandmother, wow, she would just fill an Easter basket with all sorts of sweets. And it was really worth it to me to go down there. I guess I was vaguely aware that the day was supposed to be something about Jesus. But I was kind of focused on the candy. One of the things I really liked to do was hunt through the plastic, bright green grass that filled the basket and try to find every last jelly bean or every last little malt egg that I could find. But then I kind of got too old for that stuff. So Easter became, for me just like any other Sunday on the calendar, a day you can sleep in, a day that I didn't have to go to school. As a teenager, uh, one year, we decided to take a road trip for spring break. In America, we have this thing called spring break. You get a whole week off of school, and often that week lines up with Holy Week, uh, the week on the Christian calendar with Good Friday and all of that. I didn't really notice that as a kid that it was the same week, uh, but it is, even if you go to public school. And it is, I, I just checked yesterday, my, my home school district. I thought, I wonder if they still even have spring break during Holy Week. And they do. I was happy about that. But I never knew as a kid. So as a teenager, we decided that we were going to take a trip for a spring break and we went to Baltimore, Maryland. Now, Some of you might not be familiar with this, but normal spring break destinations are places like Florida or something with a beach. But we decided to go to Baltimore, an old East Coast City. We decided to go there because my friend's older brother was a brand new college student at Peabody Conservatory of Music, right in downtown Baltimore. And our goal was to go and stay with him and then like party like a college student, even though we were just high school students. And I'm going to be honest with you. Our goal was to drink as much beer as we could get our hands on and smoke as much tobacco products as we could get our hands on during that week. And uh, we succeeded pretty well at that. We found a bar across the street from this music school and uh, we said, well, let's give it a try. Let's just go in. And uh, I was like 16 years old. My friend was only 14 years old. <laughs> but it's okay because he looked like he was 12 years old. <laughs> so we went into this bar and we sat down and trying to act really casual, like we we're, you know, old enough and everything. And we said, okay, well, you know, give us a beer, I guess. And, And, you know, you wouldn't believe it. The guy served us beer. I thought, whoa, things are different in the big city. This is amazing. That would never happen in my hometown. Now, the next day we walked in and immediately kicked us out, you know. But the first day it worked. We were pretty happy about that. But we weren't really bad kids or anything. Actually, we we even went to museums and stuff during this week. We went to the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C., And I took in some of the sights. But then when Sunday rolled around, we realized that it was Easter. Hadn't dawned on us before that moment. And there was this big, beautiful church right across the street from where we were staying. We said, maybe we should go. It's Easter. Now, none of the three of us boys, teenage boys, were very religious. We were not practicing Christians. None of us could have explained the gospel if someone had asked us. And maybe two of us would have outright said, we don't believe in God at all. I was one of those two. But we went into this big, beautiful church. I looked it up. I remembered what it looked like. So I found it on the Internet a couple days ago. It turns out that the church was called Mount Vernon Place United Methodist Church. It's built in 1871. It's a beautiful church with a huge spire built in the Neo-Gothic style. One of those churches that you can only find on the East Coast in the United States where everything is much older. I remember nothing from that Easter service. Not a single word. I don't remember what the pastor looked like. I don't remember a hymn or anything. You see, at the time, I was not a believer, so if I was in a church, everything just kind of bounced right off of me, in one ear and out the other. But I do remember one thing, and just one thing. A nice, friendly-looking, middle-aged man with a beard, he came over, and he kind of sat down in the pew in front of us, and he turned around at us three teenage boys, uh, And I guess we must have looked kind of out of place because we weren't really dressed up for church. We especially weren't (coughs) dressed up for Easter service. We didn't have any family with us or anyone. So he said, what brings you to church? And we just said, I don't know, sir. Well, it's, it's Easter, so we thought we should go to church. And he just smiled and he said he was glad that we were there. And that's it. I cannot remember a single other thing that happened on that day. There's a verse in the book of Isaiah that says this, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now that's kind of poetic. What I take it to mean is this, that the faintest flicker of faith is something that God will try to nourish in us. That God will not snuff out weak faith, but instead He would like to slowly and steadily nourish that, encourage it in us, so that one day our faith might glow bright. My faith in the late 1990s was definitely a smoldering wick. I was an okay kid. I did good at school. I got good grades. But I didn't think about God hardly at all. I watched TV probably five or six hours a day. Then when I was around 16 or 17, my older brothers had moved out, gone off to college, gone off to live their life. And then one evening, my dad sat me down and he announced out of the blue that he's divorcing my mother. Then he moved out. My mother worked nights at a hospital as a nurse. Her shift was 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So suddenly, the house I grew up in, the only house I'd ever lived in, where I spent my entire life, was empty. I was sitting there alone most nights, completely alone. It was kind of sad. It was kind of depressing. It was kind of like entering a dark, cold tomb. I felt like a reed that was bruised, bent so far I may break. But God had a plan in my life. My life began to change. My first year in college, I came back to faith in God. I came back to faith in Jesus Christ. And how that happened, I've preached on before, I think during Easter actually. So I won't go into that right now, but it was swift, it was dramatic, and it was sure. I went from ridiculing and making fun of Christian students one day, to telling others that I was saved, and they ought to be too. So starting that following spring, which was 1999, 19 years ago this year, I celebrated Easter as a believer. I went to church knowing and rejoicing that Christ is risen. These these three women in our scripture reading, they were not quite sure that morning. They were full of doubt. They were full of worry full of pain. Mary Magdalene especially. Mark, our Gospel author, he's very careful to point out that Mary Magdalene was there at the cross when Jesus died. And he's very careful to point out that Mary was there when Jesus' corpse was put into the tomb. And then finally now on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene was there leading the way to come and anoint Jesus' body. They had a very practical worry, actually. They weren't worried about whether or not they would find him there. Of course he would be there. He was dead. But they were worried about who was going to roll away the stone, because it was heavy. They thought, my goodness, how are we going to do that? As they were discussing this and thinking about it, they approached the tomb, and they found that the stone was already rolled away. The tomb was empty. And this young man speaks to them, an angel says, the man you seek is not here, Jesus of Nazareth. He is risen. This one thing, this one fact, is the central fact of the Christian faith. Our faith, our eternal life, lives or dies with this fact being true or false. I believe the testimony of those three women. I believe the testimony of John and Peter, who later ran to the tomb and saw the risen Lord. I believe the testimony of that man that I'll never meet again, who sat next to us in a church in Baltimore and said, Hi, how are you doing? I believe. I didn't believe on that day, but I believe now. To the one who does not yet believe, and you maybe happen to be here this morning, I pray that one day God would open your heart as well, that he would continue to place people in your path. To those who already believe, please take a lesson from the 16-year-old version of myself, of Chuck. The fact that I can't remember the pastor, I don't remember if it was a man or a woman, I don't remember what they looked like. But I remember the one person who came up and sat down and looked me in the eye and talked to me. People come to Christ when someone makes a personal connection with them. We all come to know God through the connection with God that someone in our life already has, either our parents, a friend, or even a stranger. So let's not give up on anyone. Three teenage boys, not dressed for church. They don't look like believers. Maybe they've come to disrupt or make fun of us. Or maybe, just maybe, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So this can be our reminder this Easter to not be quiet. To share that hope that we have even with those who may seem very far outside the fold, because we do believe that eternity depends on this fact and what it means to us. So we end now with those words again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.